0: Welcome to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcast. Feel free to download these sermons and share them with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. God bless. It's great that we don't come here for performance, eh? Because we don't have much to perform. We don't have much to show off. I mean, wow. Praise the Lord. Wow. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this morning that we can just be in your presence, mighty God. Lord, let your word just. Lord, let your word just penetrate us, Lord God. Change us, Father, we ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I have, I have never felt so weak in my life the last number of months. But I've also never have felt so strong in my life the last number of months. Isn't that strange? Isn't that strange? It's like me saying I'm hot but I'm cold. It's just weird. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand what God is doing, but I don't need to understand. Amen. I've just never felt so desperately weak, so in need for God. I'm just, like I'm so desperately in need of God every moment of every day that I live. Like literally every 5 minutes. That I live I need God to go before me I need him to guard my mind my thoughts, my words, my actions do you hear me and I've just it's been so overwhelming just recently with this desperate need I have for God and as you can see this morning's message is you must rely upon the Lord your God. I am first entitled this message you can always rely on the Lord and God said, change it. you can always rely on the Lord your God. He said, Change it. I said, well, How do I change this? He said, You must. You must, Christian. In these days that we're living in, these last days before Christ's return, we have no choice. We must, you and I, we must rely only, only on God. Amen? Because there's so much confusion. There's so much chaos in this world. Amen? And me for myself, I have a lot that I, that I rely on the Lord for in my life. I'm a husband, right? I'm a husband. And my wife, she relies on me for many things. My wife, Cindy, relies on me to love her, to be faithful to her, to provide for her, to take care of her, to spend time with her, to cuddle with her, to make her popcorn. My wife relies so much on me. And how How do I do it? How do I be the husband that God's called me to be? Do I just read a book that tells me how to do it? Maybe. Do I just put the ring on my finger and magically I'm going to be super husband that, that she's just swept off her feet? It doesn't work that way, does it, husbands? Does it wives, I should say? But she's got all these things. She depends on me for so much, my wife. How on earth do I do it? I rely on God for Him. I rely on God to help me love my wife, to meet her needs. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm also a father. I got a son. He's strong-willed. May I say any more? Very strong-willed. Needs a lot of discipline, Austin. A lot a lot of discipline. How do I raise my son to be a man of purity? To be a man of God? To be a young man like Daniel? I claim it over his life to be like Daniel who purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the delicacies of of Babylon. How do I do that for my son when all around him he's going to kindergarten next year? A big school with lots more kids. How am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to teach my son how it is to treat a woman nowadays when all you see is the opposite? How am I supposed to do this? I rely on God. There's no other way for me to do it. There's no other way that I can accomplish what God's put before me in loving my wife in being faithful to my wife. In raising my son to one day be a man of God, a man that loves Jesus Christ more than anything, a man that stands on the word of the Lord. How am I to do that? I am to rely and trust and put my dependence on only God for the strength and for the wisdom that I need to do that. How do I raise my daughter up who's so precious and and just puts a smile on my face every time I look at her? How am I supposed to raise her up to be a woman of integrity? A woman of purity? A woman that knows she can, she can walk you know, into school or into a public place not feeling like she's being gawked at? How am I supposed to raise my da- young daughter up in this life that puts women on this wrong pedestal that's sick and perverted? How do I do that? I depend on God. I rely on God. How do I stay faithful to you? As the assistant pastor of this church, how do I stay faithful to the sheep that God's put under me? How do I stay faithful? How do people that look to me at the coffee house, they, they rely on me for things. They rely on me and city to be there, to talk to them, to listen to them, to tell them truth, to be open. They rely on us. You rely on me. How do I do it? I depend on God. Only, God, I rely for everything that I'm responsible for, for everything that God has placed in my life. How do I do it? I rely fully on the Lord. There's no other way. It's too much. If I do it in my own strength, I fail. It's miserable. It comes crashing down. But if I put my dependence in my say, Lord, I rely on you alone for this, God, he gives me strength and wisdom and patience and endurance to, to do all of this. Amen? It's God. We must rely on God. All that He's done and put in our lives, because the truth is, this world, man, it's falling apart. This world is coming to an end. In the book of, I believe it's 1 Peter, it says that this world and everything in it one day is going to burn up. Right? We all know that, but we're living in these last days. We're living in these times where where it's just it's just chaos all ar- all around. The world's just in a frenzy. The world doesn't know what's happening. And do you know, Christian? That we're like aliens, we're foreigners. We're just passing through this life. This life is but a moment, amen? And one day we're going to be in eternity with Christ forever. Trillions and trillions and trillions of years later. Trillions of years, we're going to be with Christ. This is just but a moment, amen? This is not our home. Philippians chapter 3 verse 17 to 21 says, Brethren, join in following my example. Paul says, and note those who so walk as you have us, uh, have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. They set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is where? Where? Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, praise God, that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. Amen? Amen? We aren't to be of this world. The, the Bible says that the people in this life, they, they, don't, they don't depend on a God. They don't rely on a God. They look to everything that can satisfy their own desires. They want It, it, it says there, they set their mind on earthly things. Their God is their belly. What can please them? The booze, the food. The, 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 they love pleasure more than they love God. They have no dependence on any kind of God, any kind of, quote, religion. They depend and rely on everything else but God. Amen? And he says, but we are to be different because we are not of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our home is in heaven. That's our real home, church. That's our real home. We're legally living in Aurelia, Ontario, Canada. But spiritually living, our real destiny is heaven with the Lord. Amen? Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world. As we're walking this life, we are not to be conformed to the things that this world offers. We are to be absolutely separate from the things of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What it's saying is we are not to get too comfortable here in this world. We are to understand where our hope is found, where our real home is. Amen? We are to rely on the Lord as we walk through this life. James 4.14 says, For what is your life? What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. Your life comes and it goes. So what do we do? What do we do? If we know that the Bible says our life, your life and my life, it's but a vapor. It comes and it goes and then we're into eternity. What do we do? Do we stay in our homes where it's safe? Do we put sanit- you know sanitize every doorknob and sanitize everything around us? Live inside a bubble? Do we just stay where we're safe, where we're comfortable? Do we never go out on, on the streets walking to the store? Do we never drive a car out of fear? Do we just live consumed in fear, knowing that our life can just end like that? Absolutely not. Amen? We don't live in fear. We don't live trembling of what what, what is what is to come. What does tomorrow bring? What's going to happen in my life? We just simply rely upon the Lord. He's not giving us a spirit of fear. Amen? He's not called us to worry. He's commanded us, do not worry about your life as you walk. Because we know there's a lot of stuff out there that can wipe us out. We know it. There's terrorists out there. You see videos online saying, threatening the states. There's all sorts of things that we could just tremble in fear. But God's called His church to stand up, rise up, go out, trusting in Him that He's leading us in the path that He has for us. Being a light shining in this darkness. If we don't go, who's going to go? Amen? Proverbs 3, we know it well. Verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him. That is the answer. What's He say? Then He will direct your path. That is the answer right there of how we are to live. We don't have much of the answers. We don't have any of the answers. But the Bible says that's why we just trust in the Lord with everything that we've got. God, I don't understand it. Trust in me. I'm angry. Trust in me. I think I'm to go this way. I'm confused. Trust in me. And it doesn't end there. He says, Trust in me with all your heart. And don't look upon what you see. We have got to get that in our spirits. Don't live your life based on what you see. Live your life, you live your life relying on God. Trusting in God. It doesn't make sense. It hurts right now, but God is going to turn it around because I trust in Him. He's going to direct my paths, amen? That's what we're to do. You and me, we're to live completely, completely dependent on God. Do you know that? We are not to be independent of Him. We're not just to have the name Christian. We've said the prayer. Now we can go out and be independent from God. God says the opposite. You fully depend upon me for everything in your life. John fifteen five, Jesus says that we can't do nothing without him. Amen? He says, without me, church, you cannot do anything without me, Jesus says. We get tired, right? Right? We get tired. We get worn out. We get angry. We get confused. We get frustrated. We get discouraged. Am I speaking to you this morning? Amen? That's what happens. That's the reality of the Christian life. You become tired and weary and discouraged and you don't know what's ahead and you become fearful at times. May it come down to money gets tight. Money gets tight. It's amazing to me how much financial issues are in in a lot of Christians' lives and they're just trusting God. They're trusting to get by and God says, you keep trusting me. Because Jesus never promised that he would pour out the trillions of dollars to you. He says you to trust me, and I'll supply all your needs. Amen? About eight months ago, my wife and I, we were at a time, we've been here a few times, and about, it was about approximately eight months ago, we came to a place where we, the end of the month was coming, and we needed uh, a couple things to go, we needed some money to go towards some things we needed, and we, it, we totaled it as $250 dollars. Is what we needed from God. What we were trusting God for. $250. And my wife wrote it on a sheet of paper. And this is my wife, by the way, Cindy. And my, She's a woman of faith, man. I tell you, she, she smartens me up. She keeps me in line. Wow. And then I just preach everything I learned from her. <laughs> but she puts this piece of paper on the fridge. Lord, we trust you for $250. Put that on the fridge. Two, three, four, or five days went by. And out of nowhere, this woman shows up, gives us, guess how much? $250 out of nowhere. Why? Why did that happen to you? Because we simply put our trust. We couldn't, we couldn't do anything else. We needed, it. we needed it in a matter of days. We needed it. And God knew it. We gave it to him. We said, Lord, we rely upon you. We trust in you. And God came through. Two months later, I'm laid off from work. Five weeks, I was laid off back in January, December after Christmas. Five weeks, money was starting to get really tight. We were in need of rent money. We needed $500 to go towards rent and groceries. Right? I'm the provider. I've got to provide for my family. God, I need you here. My wife, once again, got the piece of paper. Wrote, Lord, you've done it before. We need $500, God. Get this. The very next day, a woman of God came and gave us a card, and inside that card was $500. Why? Why does this happen? I said, honey, you should have put a few more zeros on the end of that one. Smart now. Amen? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't look upon your financial debt. Don't look upon your circumstance that seems to be going, getting worse and worse. Just trust in God. Write it on a paper. Put it on the fridge. And God will come through. Amen. We gotta try that again. That fridge is still there with no papers on it. We're putting a paper on it today. God is faithful. Amen. He won't let us down. He's faithful when He sees us trusting in Him. Philippians 4.19, what's it say? My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory. Amen? Everything that you have need of, God has it covered. Amen? Isaiah 40, 28-29. He says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? He neither faints nor is weary. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Amen? That's the God I serve. That's the God we serve. He doesn't waver. He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't faint. He gives us power when we're weak. He comes through when we can't do anything about it. He loves it when you and I come to a place of full dependence on Him. He loves it. He brings us purposely at times, places where we just can't do it. It's seriously impossible. But when we give it to Him, when we commit our ways to the Lord, we trust also in Him. The Bible says that He shall also bring it to pass. But we've got to trust in Him. We've got to rely on Him. We've got to be living for Him. We've got to seek Him first. Jesus says, when I come, in, when, when I'm coming back, what am I going to look for? I'm looking for faith. He's saying, will I find it? Will I find a church who is fully dependent on me? That's the church I'm coming back for. Praise God. This is a powerful thing. John 16, 33, listen. He says, these things, Jesus says, I have spoken to you, that in me, Jesus says, you may have peace. In me, you will have peace. Not in this world. Not in any man or organization. Jesus says, in me, you will have peace. The Bible says that he keeps you in perfect peace. Those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon the Lord. And So he says here in John sixteen thirty three. He says, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. In Christ, there's peace. In the world, there is tribulation. But what's he say? But be of good cheer. Why? How can we be of good cheer? Because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. This world has tribulation. But Jesus says, I've overcome this tribulation. I've overcome these problems. I've overcome the enemy. I've overcome his lies. I've overcome debt. I've overcome all these things that you're going through. He says, you be of good cheer. You get up in your circumstance. You praise me. You worship me. You give me glory despite how you feel. And I will come through. Why? Because I've overcome the world. And all the junk in it. That's the Matt Old version. Hallelujah. I've overcome the world. Yeah, but how can I be cheerful? My life is so hard. My life is so rough. Claim that promise. Overcome that that discouragement. Jesus has overcome this world. Jesus has overcome this world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Rely on the Lord. He's faithful. He's faithful. You look around, the economy's failing. Every day it's getting worse. Look what happened to GM. Look what's happening in in so many great organizations. Look at the the NASDAQ. I have no idea what that is. Look at the, the, the stock markets. I have no idea what those are. But all I know is they're going down. The arrows are pointing down. And people that put their hope in these things. The lottery. Wasting money on the lottery. Instead of putting their trust in God He said, I'll give you all you need Trust in me Don't go to the lottery Don't look online at the Dow and the Nasdaq And whatever that is Don't trust in that thing Don't trust in your job Don't trust in your career Trust in me with all your heart, he says Don't look at this economy Don't be discouraged by the economy He is your provider What's his name? Jehovah Jireh My provider Amen? The Bible says he owns a cattle On what? How many hills? Tell me a thousand hills there's probably hundreds of cows on one hill he's got a lot of beef for you and me amen you'll never grow hungry you'll have burgers and steak for the rest of your life Jesus he owns a cattle on a thousand hills and he won't just give you beef he'll give you money he'll provide you what you need if you trust in him. you look around there's so much violence. Bill, Bill knows first and foremost of this. He just said that, praise the Lord, there was no violence on the weekend. But you look around, globally, there's so much violence. Do you know that my wife and I, just last week, we, we heard about a school shooting. I believe it was in Arizona or something, a school shooting. And before, a couple years ago, that would have been on all the channels. You know, emergency update. There's been a school shooting. Do you know what I'm saying? You flick on every channel. You hear on all the radio stations. There's been a school shooting. You know, and, and they're informing you. But now, it's just, it's, you're used to it, Right? We couldn't believe it. We said, there's a school shooting. I think four were dead and some others were injured. It doesn't weigh for us anymore. We're so immune to it. The media and everything, they're looking for greater stories. There's so much violence in this world. So much crime. You hear about this horrible, horrific story of Tori Stafford. People are possessed by Satan. He's out there on a rampage and he's literally taking control of people to commit these wicked crimes on little children. We see it all around. What do we do? What do we do when we see this? We keep our eyes on Jesus. We pray. We seek. We stay focused, church. It's so easy to get caught up in all these these horrific things that are happening. But we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus when this life gets difficult. There's so much greed. Pastor Mike said last week in his message about how Aurelia is one of the, the number one or the best place to come for visitors in central Ontario. Why? What was the reason? Not the beautiful lakes, he said. It's because the casino. It's greed. A great spirit of greed. It's, it's just consumed this world. More, more, more. Someone gives you a thousand dollars. It's not good enough. You want more. You got this greed living in you. And it's all over this the anger, the rage of people. So many addictions, so many diseases. There's so much chaos in this world. But what do we do? What do we do? You hear about the swine flu. Do we just live in fear? Do we just curl up it? We keep living our life. We keep trusting in the Lord. We do not let the things of this world bring us to a place of of, of wavering and questioning. We just put our foot down and say, God, I trust you. And we keep on shining the light. We keep on speaking the truth. We keep on pressing on in this fight. It is a fight. We are in a fight. But what does God want us to do? Keep fighting until the day we die or to the day he returns. Amen. Do not be discouraged. People are turning to doctors and psychiatrists and prescription drugs and illegal drugs and alcohol and all these things to fill that gap. Is there nothing? There's nothing wrong with prescription drugs. There's nothing wrong with going to a doctor. But when you put your full reliance on them, when you're putting your trust in doctors and things of this world, God has a problem with that. He wants to be number one. He wants to be your all in all. He wants to be your supply. Jesus says in Luke 21, 25 to 28, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The seas and the waves are roaring. Listen, Jesus says men's hearts are going to be failing them from fear and from the expectation of things which are coming on the earth. You see that all over people running all over the place. What do we do? Where do we turn? Where do we go? How is this going to turn out? And Jesus says, just look to me. I'm your good shepherd. I'll show you the way. Verse 28, he says, when these things start to happen, he says, look up because your redemption draws near. Amen. That's what we do. We look up. We keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. We keep our eyes fixed on the truth of God's word in these days. We only rely upon him. You think of Daniel. There was a a new law. Do not pray to anyone but the king. Daniel said, I will not forsake my God for nothing. Daniel was willing to give up his very life for his walk with the Lord. He was willing to lay it all on the line. So Daniel went and did, not, not in arrogance, but in faithfulness. He went to his room. And he got before the window, which he did every day, three times a day. And he cried out to God. He was probably interceding for this rule, this law, these people that were so deceived in the, in the place where he lived. And of course they saw him praying. And he was thrown in the lion's den. But what happened? God sent an angel down. God protected Daniel. Why? Because he trusted in him. Because he relied fully upon the Lord, even knowing that he's going to be face to face with ferocious, hungry lions that would rip his body apart, he said, "I will not be unfaithful to God." And he put his trust in Him, and God came through. You think of his close friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everyone else was doing it. Everyone else was worshiping this false god. They were all bowing down, doing what this man, this king, said. And they stood up and they were noticed because everyone was bowed down. And these three young men were standing up and you know what happened. They said, I'll give you one more chance, you bow. They said, no, we will not forsake our God. We will not worship this false idol. We will not follow the ways of the crowd. We will not do what everyone else is doing just because they're doing it. It's wrong. It's sin. And we will not sin against our God. They turned the furnace up seven times hotter than it was. They threw them into the furnace. And what happened? There was four men. Who was the fourth man? It was Jesus, the Son of God, the Bible says. My version says that anyway. Other versions change that. But it says it looks like the Son of God is in there, walking around the fire. And the Bible says they came out. There was no odor of fire. There was no burnt hair. There was no blackness. They were saved. Why? Because they put their trust in God. They didn't just do. They could have bowed down and went about their merry life. Couldn't they have? But they would have sinned against God. Instead they said, I will trust in the Lord. And There's no one greater but David. David trusted in God as he's running for his life from King Saul. Running for his life. Hiding in, in mountains. Hiding in rocks. Running, running in fear. Running for his life. Knowing that he one day is to be a king. And he's running. But he put his trust in God. David went out prior to that and he went on the battlefield and everyone else was trembling in fear. David didn't put his faith in a stone. David didn't put his faith in his slingshot ability. David didn't put his faith in some armor. He said, this armor's not me. This armor, King Saul, is too big for me. It's not what I'm about. He says, I trust in the Lord. And he went out and he faced his giant. He faced what everyone else was fearful of. And he says, I trust in the Lord God to take you down. And what happened? He took him down. God took him down. Through a little shepherd boy. Why? Because he put his faith in the Lord. He relied upon the Lord. There was another time in David's life. Man, God liked to test David. Amen? Wow. Another time in David's life. They're at war, him and his men. Hundreds of men, they're hungry. They're thirsty. They're in need of some help. They see a rich man, Nabal. He, he, he sends messengers, can you please help David and the army? We, we, we're in need. And Nabal said, no and David was enraged David wanted to kill Nabal so he he says I'm going to destroy this guy he's starting to act in his flesh right you're not going to help us you you got plenty to spare and you just say no at least give me a reason and he was enraged and so he got his men together got on his horse and he's starting to go towards where Nabal lived he was going to destroy Nabal he was so angry and God put it on Abigail's heart Nabal's wife to go and to find David. And she brought him food. And she said, David, no, stop. Don't do this. Focus. Think through right now. Stop. Just get catch your breath. Think of what God would do here. Think of what you're doing. Think of the consequences about what you're gonna do. He says, Don't do it. And she said, God will give, God will repay for you. God will take care of this for you. Her own husband said this to David. And David said, Thank you. Thank you for Amen. And he put his trust in God. Shortly after that, we see David's out and he's go- he goes back home to Ziklag and he sees his homes have been burnt down. His wives, all their wives of his army, all their children, everything is taken from them. And David at this point learned a few lessons from Goliath, learned a few lessons from Nabal. He learned a few lessons from King Saul, from being a shepherd in the, in the fields with the lions and bears. He learned some things. He learned that it was just God he just had to put his faith in. And so instead of reacting in his flesh, where's my wives? They were sorrowful. The Bible says they were weeping until they could weep no more. And the old David would have just gone on his horse and went and tried to find these guys and destroy them. But he calmed down his men. He stood up in the authority God gave to him. He says, men... We will trust God. And the Bible says that he inquired of the Lord what to do. And God says, you go. And God made him recover everything back and more. Why? Because he trusted in the Lord. He relied upon God. David said in Psalm 118, 5 to 14, David said, I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Amen? All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like fire of thorns, for in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. Where is David's focus? Not on himself. Not on another man. But on the Lord, I am surrounded with chaos, but the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, hallelujah. You and I have to have this burning within us. The Lord, God, put our trust in him, no matter what it looks like, not man. If you turn to your Bibles to Second Chronicles, please. Second Chronicles chapter 14. Oh, boy. I have no idea what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Second Chronicles 14, please. Second Chronicles 14. Yes. We're just going to start reading verse 1. Just follow along with me. So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned as king in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for ten years. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. In other words, he removed all the idols. He got rid of... All the false gods. All the false worship. Verse 4. He commanded Judah, he was king over Judah, to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe his laws and the commandments. He also removed the high places and all the incense altars from all of the cities of Judah. And the kingdom was quiet under him. And he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. And he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said to Judah, let us build these cities and make walls around them and towers, gates, and bars while the land is yet before us because we have sought the Lord our God and we have sought him and he has given us rest on every side so they built and prospered. We're going to stop there. All this tells us is Asa is the new king of Judah and he's a man of God. He means business. He doesn't mess around. Immediately he becomes king. And, and he, he immediately experiences that peace and rest that comes from God when you're in his will. And immediately, King Asa said he gets rid of all the false idols. He gets rid of all of the things that are, that are blaspheming to God. And he does what was right in the sight of the Lord. He's trying to be obedient to the voice of God in his calling. He's trying to let the Spirit of God lead him in his life. This is the man that we find out Asa is. I'm reading verse 8. And Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah who carried shields and spears. And from Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. And all these were mighty men of valor. So Asa's got this mighty army with him. Verse 9. Then Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and he came to Merisha. So Asa went out against him, and they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Sephatha uh, and Mereshah. So here we have war. A battle is about to begin. Asa's got about 500,000 men, and now he's being attacked by an army of a million men. Twice the amount of men he has. And they've got 300 chariots coming at them. They're going to war. What does Asa do? What does he do? Does he just fight? Does he just say, go get them, boys? Does he just go at it? And, and just Normally just, they're coming, let's go get them. What's he say? Look at verse 11. Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help whether with many or whether with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you. The NIV says we rely on you. New Living Translation says we trust in you alone. That's the answer God was looking for. He didn't want Asa to go out, knowing that he's a man of God. Even though Asa knew he was a man of God already, he knew God. He was walking with God. He was being obedient to God. Even still, he needed to confirm with the Lord, I trust you, God. My faith is in you here. There's a million men coming at us. There's no hope. We can't win here. Oh, God, you are our help. You are our trust. We rely on you. Praise God. And that's the answer God was looking for. He continues on. He says, In your name we go against this multitude, O Lord. In your name we go against it. You are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah. And the Ethiopians Ethiopians fled. Look Look at what he says. He says, Lord, you are God. Do not let man prevail against you. Do you know That there are many men who are rising up against God in these days. Do you know that? How do we deal with them? What do we do about them? Some label themselves of God. Some blatantly say we're against God. right? Jesus talks about false prophets rising. Don't listen to them. Jesus talks about wolves and sheep's clothing rising. What do we do about them? In the name of the Lord we deal with them. We don't deal with them carnally. We don't deal with them personally. We deal with them spiritually. And we leave the fight for God. We can't fight a million men, Asa says. We'll lose. But if we give it to God and trust in Him and fight this spiritually, then God has the glory. Then we have the victory. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What a miraculous victory God gave to Asa and Judah. The odds were so against them. They should have died. They should have been destroyed. Why did he win? Because he relied upon the Lord. And he confessed it to God. He showed God. He proved to his men. He proved to the people that were under him that my trust is in God. Not in our skill. Not in our talent. Not in our anointing. Not in our church. Not in our finances. Our hope is in God. And then came the victory. Look at chapter 15, verse 1 to 2. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, And he went out to meet with Asa, and he says this to Asa, Hear me, Asa, and all of Judah, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. This is a warning. This is a reminder to Asa. You've just experienced this incredible victory that God's given you. But you need to continually remind yourself, Asa, that it was nothing of you. It was God who did it because you trust in him. Don't become prideful. Don't become arrogant. Don't think that you've arrived. Don't think because you've got this great harvest coming in now. Don't think because you had this great victory in your life that now you've arrived. Now it's just going to continue to get better. He says no. He says, no, that while you're with the Lord, he's with you. But if you forsake God, he will forsake you. It is so easy that when God just manifests himself in your life, and he just, he just reveals himself to you, and he blesses you in different ways, and you experience this, 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 this season of blessing and life and abundance, it is so easy to forsake him. And to start walking in our own strength. And God says, no, this is a warning. Asa, don't do this. Don't start taking your eyes off of God. Keep your eyes on God, even though you're being blessed. Even though you're winning the wars. Even though it's all going good for you. Still keep your eyes on Jesus, walking in humility. Are you hearing me? It's tempting. Satan will tempt you. When you come to a place of prosperity and blessing. Who needs God now? Ease up a little bit. Put your feet on the table. Relax a little bit. Don't be so hard. Don't be so fervent in seeking him. You can relax now. God's like, no, if you forsake me, even a little bit, I'll forsake you. Jesus says, when I come, when I come, if you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. It works that way. He loves us unconditionally always. But if we forsake him, he will forsake you, he says to Asa. Those are strong words. This is a reminder. This is a warning to Asa. Don't get caught up in the victory. Don't get caught up in the glory. Don't get caught up in the goodness that's happening right now. Stay focused, Asa. God did this for you. Not a man. Not yourself. Nothing else did this. God did this for you. So Asa's encouraged. He's pumped up. He's excited. And for the rest of the chapter, he continues on removing the false gods. He continues on serving the Lord with all his heart. Now let's look at verse, chapter 16. Asa received the warning. He continued on. He, he, he listened to God. He, took, he heeded that word. And now we find in chapter 16, in the, in the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, the king of Judah. Then Asa brought silver and gold. They're being attacked by Israel now, Judah is, by King Basha. Verse 2. Then Asa brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, another, another enemy. He sends this gold to the king of Syria who dwelt in Damascus saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, king of Syria as there was between my father and your father in other words he's like i'm at war here the king of israel's is coming at me so he turns to the king of syria he says he says let there be a treaty between you and me and he says i've sent you silver i've sent you gold i've given you lots of money come Break your treaty with the king, king Basha of Israel so that he will withdraw from me. In other words, break your treaty with him. Take this money. Take what I give to you so that he'll stop coming at me so that I don't get harmed here. Verse 4, So Ben-Hadad heeded king Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. They attacked Ijon, Dan, Abel, Mame, and all the storage cities of Naphtali. Now what happened when Basha, the king of Israel, Heard of it, he stopped building Ramah and ceased his work. King Asa took all Judah, and they carried away the stones and timber of Ramah, which Basha had used for building, and with them he built Geba and Mizpah. This is where it gets good, verse 7. And at this time, Hanani, the seer, the prophet of the Lord, came to Asa, the king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were were the Ethiopians, he says, those Ethiopians, those million men who came at you, were they not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. The eyes of the Lord, verse 9, run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on who? On behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly, Asa. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Asa knew what he needed to do. He did it with the Ethiopians. He did it all through chapter 14 and 15. He trusted in God. He relied upon the Lord. And he was given the warning, don't take your eyes off God. Don't put, your, don't put your trust in flesh. And then he's got a war coming at him again. And out of nowhere, he just, he just decides to turn to another man. Come, help me. Here's what I can give you. What can you do for me? And God's like, no, no. You're foolish, Asa. You've done a foolish thing. He says, in this you've done foolishly. Therefore, from now on you, you shall have wars. He says, the eyes of the Lord are running all across this earth, looking. God wants to show himself strong for you. He wants to show himself strong for me. Amen? But he's looking to see whose heart is loyal to him, whose heart trusts in him, whose heart relies upon him. Verse 12 and 13, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his sickness was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but his physicians. So Asa rested with his fathers. He died in the 41st year of his reign. Let's stand. Dad, would you come, please? Look look how easily and quickly this man of God turns to the arm of flesh after seeing the evident, miraculous hand of God save him and deliver him from a sure defeat. And then he's given a warning Keep your eyes on me, Asa. Don't start walking with what you see. Keep trusting me, Asa. And he did for some time, but then the time came where he he came up against a a hardship again, trouble again. And he took his eyes off the Lord, and instead of saying, God, once again, I'm turning to you, I need you here. He did it in his own abilities. And it all came crashing down. At the end of this man's life, he became sick in his feet. He got a disease in his feet and it consumed his body and he died. And it says again there in the Bible that he's sick. He's dying. And instead of saying, God, I need you. You're my healer. I believe that you can heal me. I believe that you can restore me. I come back to you. I put my faith in you, God, once again. Instead, he continued on down and he said, I look to doctors instead of God. Listen. I'm pressing on with my eyes on Jesus. You need to press on with your eyes on Jesus. Proclaiming every day and in every circumstance, through the storm, saying, God, I rely on you. I rely on you, Lord. There's nothing I can do, but I rely on you. I know that this word has been from God this morning. I'm going to tell you how. It was incredible. Wednesday morning, my uh, pastor Mike and myself—we meet every Wednesday morning, dark and early, at, at Tim Hortons, and we share burdens, we talk, and we drink coffee, and then we spend time in prayer together, mainly specifically for you, for the church, for Aurelia. We intercede, we cry out, we pray, we say, "God, what are your plans? What are your ways, Lord? Just come and move." Every Wednesday morning. As we were talking Wednesday morning, he, uh, he says, hey Matt, this morning uh, I went to the church, excuse me, yesterday morning, it would have been Tuesday morning of this week. He's telling me this Wednesday morning in the car. He's like, Tuesday morning I went to the church and part of me started thinking about finances of the church because of our financial, our financial incomes different now with lack of some people that have left God knows all about it, amen. And he started thinking about it, not worrying about it, not trembling in fear, but thinking about what, maybe some things we can do. And and he had this idea, not a bad idea, of sending out to the people that receive our newsletters, a number of people, some envelopes with a letter saying, if you're able to help financially, you know, we would really appreciate it. Something along that lines. Nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing wrong. Ministries do that. There's nothing wrong with that so he had this idea and he he came to the church and and he was spending time with God and the Lord clearly told Pastor Mike, he said no no, this isn't sin what you're thinking is not wrong but God, God clearly told Pastor Mike, he said no I don't want you doing this I don't want this church doing it and he said I want you to rely on me and in that moment, Tuesday morning Tuesday morning, bright, dark and early here at the church He reminded my father of this very story we just read through, Asa. About how Asa took his eyes off the Lord. And about how all God wanted Asa to do was to rely fully on him. Fully on him. Not to do it in his own abilities. And in that moment, Pastor Mike knew that it wasn't for him to do. At least now. God said, no, trust in me. And he reminded my dad of this story. That was Tuesday morning. Tuesday night, I was at home. Austin was in bed. My wife was walking Jalen in, 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 to bed. And normally at that time, I'm so tired, I went. I usually lie on the couch waiting for my wife to put Jay to bed, and then we just relax. But I was led to go grab my Bible while Cindy's walking Jalen. And I opened my Bible. And the very story, the very page of the Bible I opened to was this story we read this morning, Asa. This is Tuesday night. Tuesday, I had no idea about, about what happened to Pastor Mike in the morning with the Lord speaking to him about this story. Tuesday night, I opened to it. I read it. By the time Cindy's done getting Jay to bed, she comes to me, and I said, Cindy, I was all excited. She was really tired. But I'm like, Cindy, Listen. And I told her the story. I said I just read this story. I didn't. I've never really read this story before. I said it's amazing, Sydney. In 2 Chronicles, I said this guy Asa. He 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 was up against all odds. He trusted in God, and God came through. But then he failed. Then he took his eyes off of God, Sydney, and he and he and he trusted in man. And God said, "You're going to have wars. You're going to have disease." And it all came crashing down. He died because he took his eyes off the Lord. And Sydney was like, "Man, that's amazing." She was really tired, but I told her then Wednesday morning we meet and my dad said to me what he told me He's like, I was thinking about sending envelopes out yesterday morning he's like but then he's like son do you know the story in the Bible of and in that moment before he said Asa I said God if he says Asa I'm a freak I'm just going to freak right out he says son do you know the story of Asa I said what what confirmation church I said dad just last night I opened my Bible. I didn't flip around. I just opened it and read this story myself. God confirmed on Tuesday to this church, to the pastors of this church, that, guys, we're safe in the Lord. He's going before us. Finances aren't an issue. People aren't an issue. What other people do, it's not an issue. We're focused. Our eyes are on Jesus. Our trust is in Jesus. Praise We rely on Him. We don't rely on man. We don't rely on you. You don't rely on us. We rely on God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that confirmed to Pastor Mike that yes, no, don't send envelopes. And that confirmed to me, this is the word of God I'm to preach this morning. You heard it, church. We're going forward. And God is faithful. He says, he who calls is faithful, who will also do it. He'll do it. He's doing this work. He's going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter what we see. doesn't matter how we feel. doesn't matter what people say, what people think. It does not matter. We stay humble. We stay right. We keep fighting this spiritual war. Trusting in the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen hallelujah thank you jesus father we give you glory god you are mighty god you are mighty to save let that not just be a song that we sing god let that be a prayer a prayer of faith a declaration of faith it's by god that i serve It's mighty to save hallelujah lord we trust in you god we trust in you lord for our homes for our families we trust in you for our finances trust in you for our jobs, our careers, our ministries. We trust in you, God. Lord, if there's anything, anything in us, oh God, that's not right, that you're not pleased with, show it to us, Lord. That we can repent and fully trust in you, Lord God. You are a faithful God. And Lord, we, we receive this word this morning. Yes, Lord, amen. Knowing that it's not man-made, Hallelujah. This is spoken from your very breath this morning to this church that we are to fully rely upon you. We must, we must. There's no other option. There's no other choice. You will bring the increase. You will, Lord, expand our borders. As we faithfully, diligently press on, as we faithfully show up week after week, as we faithfully keep ourselves unspotted from the things of this world, as we faithfully seek you and live our lives for you, you will do the rest. Lord, as we continue to water, as we continue to to, to plant seeds of your word, here on Sunday mornings, Friday nights in the coffee house, Wednesday nights, Lord God, outreach ministry dinners we have. Lord, when people come in, if we are faithful in sowing the good seed of the word, if we are faithful in watering that seed, your word, God says, that God will then bring the increase. We don't bring the increase. You bring the increase, God. Lord, I'm so excited this morning, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here, God. Thank you for that wonderful, intimate time of worship we experience, God. Lord, we want more. We want more of your power. We want more of your spirit, God. We want more of your freedom, Lord God. And Lord God, we will not do it in our own ability. We will not make it up. We will just continue to wait upon you, Lord. Through it all, through it all, Jesus, we trust in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you take care of those who come against your people. They're in your control. They're in your hands, God. May we fight spiritually, Lord. Not carnally, Lord. Woe to us if we fight carnally. Woe to us if we take things personally. My God, there's no time for that foolishness, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that are really a Life Center is a spirit made, spirit filled, spirit led church, God. And that's the only reason, God, that we exist today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we are not man made. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. This is a place of freedom. This is a place of liberty. This is a place of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, you go before us. You walk before us, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. You know the steps that this church is taking, God. Hallelujah. We wait upon you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah Jesus. Hallelujah. We will not be afraid. We will not live in fear. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are more than conquerors. we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, you've saved us, you redeemed us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh Holy Spirit of God. Oh Holy Spirit of God. Oh, we need you, we long for you. We're so hungry, Lord, for you. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of God. Oh Jesus. Oh, we need you. Oh, we desire you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We stay focused this morning, Lord God. Lord, make us a focused people, Lord God, on who you are, on what you have said, on what you have spoken, Lord God, on what you have declared, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Have your way. Have your way, Lord. Mm, God, we are just man. We are just woman, Lord God. Oh, Lord Jesus. We are so frail without your spirit within us. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Draw them in, oh God. Draw them in, oh God. Draw the souls in, Lord God, to this place, oh Jesus, where they can be touched by your love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that every word spoken against this work, oh God, it just falls to the ground. It's got no power. It's got no authority. This is your house. This is your house, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon podcasts. I trust you were blessed by today's episode. We'll see you next time. God bless.